Right, before we start, I would like to officially announce my new book is out now. It's the second in the Ragbag series. You don't need to have read the first one to appreciate it. The new book is called Getting Away With It. It's all about my life of crime. Details are on my website, frankburton.co.uk. Audiobook version is at frankburton.bandcamp.com. That's a free download or pay what you want. Talking of the audiobook version, I'll be bringing it directly to you next week. I've split it into five parts. I'm going to play the whole thing across the week, Monday to Friday, just like we did last year. It's a brilliant book. I am really pleased with it. If you enjoyed everything I am, you are going to love getting away with it. Now, let's just crack on with this very special episode of Ragbag, featuring the return of a legend. Welcome to Ragbag. My name's Frank Burton. It's my great, great pleasure to welcome back David Ebar, a.k.a. Herman Dune, onto the podcast. The new Herman Dune album, Notes from Vinegar Hill, came out at the end of last year, and David's back with us to talk about it. You do not want to miss this. Now, regular listeners will know already how much this all means to me. I've been a huge fan of Herman Dune since I first heard them 20 years ago. And this new album is really a quintessential Herman Dune record, if I can put it in those terms. Anyway, let's just get stuck straight into it. We'll start off with a song from the new album and we'll hear from David after that. Here's the tune. It's called Mucky Mucky. Thank you. 
one of the things that I wanted to ask you about in particular is um, about storytelling. Because um, personally, for me, a lot of my favorite songs have got a kind of a narrative within them. And I think maybe all of your songs have got that element to them to a certain degree. Like some are more kind of narrative driven than others, but I think there's some kind of storytelling within each of your songs. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It's hard. It's not necessarily my intention. You know, I, I try to be poetic in a way that, you know, just have a point of view, maybe choosing that over the narrative. But um, I'm better, I guess, at just telling what's going on, you know, in my life or in my mind. Uh, I'm better at that than just finding uh, twisted ways to, to look at things, you know. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a choice, like an intention to be on the narrative side of things, but um, it's the way, I guess that's what I'm good at or better at. I guess some people might, if they have a thought that pops into their head, they might just write the thought down. Whereas other people might say, oh, this is a thought that I had. And this is where I was when I had the thought. And this is what I was doing when I had the thought. And it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it, be, it becomes a story in itself for you telling about the thought that you had, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I guess I like to find other people's ideas in novels and movies and uh, more than I would, you know, read necessarily essays and, you know, philosophy treaties or, you know, so maybe that's, I like when it's like inscribed in a little story. I'm not really good at uh, making things up, but I guess uh, retelling what happened, maybe that, that's my kind of narrative. Do you see yourself as a storyteller as such, uh, through, kind of through songwriting? As a singer, yeah, I feel like I've often found myself, you know, noticing that the audience, even, you know, in a crowded uh, festival or something, was listening to the, the story, which I always loved seeing in the audience when, uh, when people were actually following what was going on. Whereas, you know, even myself, when I'm at a show, sometimes I don't know what's going on because there's so, so much noise and people, you know, banging on stuff. And but I know that uh, I think people who have seen, uh, whom I've seen liking my shows the most, were people who seem to be, you know, sucked into the stories I was telling, and uh, you know, more than my guitar playing or anything like that. It was always when. I guess I could say that when people come to me after a show, they usually come to talk about the lyrics and, uh, you know, the stories and how they had a similar story or something. I feel like your songs have got like a simplicity to them. Uh, like the first time that you hear them, you can understand what the song is about and you can follow if there is a narrative in the story, you can follow the narrative that's going on. And I guess that's why people respond that way at gigs if they, if they haven't, if they're seeing you for the first time and hearing the song for the first time, that they have that kind of immediate reaction to it, which is nice. Yeah, I really like that. I, I've always felt like, you know, especially in situations where, as you said, I wasn't like the, the main act or if I was the opening act or if I was in a festival, I knew I had that card up my sleeve. You know, I knew that... Uh, any case, worst case scenario, I could like, you know, turn off the microphones and the amps and, you know, just like focus on the lyrics and close my eyes and that people could respond to that. I've always had that uh, sort of a 
a secret little trick um, of the story for people to listen to my songs. It's really nice, I think. I think, well, it comes also from the way, from my own, my own taste, you know, as I was saying, I grew up big fan of Dostoevsky, for instance, and uh, especially the one that, um, the spoken books that he would like, you know, speak to his wife instead of uh, writing them down. And so they, they had that simple, very simple quality to it. But I thought when I was reading them that I was reading the most profound uh, book ever, you know, although it was uh, mainly dialogues and crazy, sort of crazy uh, events and thoughts. Um, I always found something deep uh, within the narrative. So to to go back to what you were saying, I, I feel like uh, maybe I'm I'm drawn when I write songs to have a little story that is, you know, what people are going to connect to. And uh, even though I love, you know, having poetic images and maybe hidden sort of a personal uh, metaphors and stuff, I think you can totally understand maybe the story without them. Uh, at least I hope so. I didn't know that about Dostoevsky actually. So did, did he, so did he like dictate his books to his wife? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So Dostoevsky yeah. from the, she wasn't his wife by the way, at the time so okay. she became, she became after the idiot, you know? So he was uh, uh, yeah. from the idiot that he was, because you know, he was paid by the page and uh, he didn't have time. His mind was too fast for his, for his hands, I guess. So he hired uh, a steno writer. And uh, so he was just like, you know, speaking, but you can tell when you read The Idiot, the first one that he dictated, so. Yeah, 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 uh, it's really interesting. It's like, yeah. there's no really grammatical structure to it. It's just like, it's a flow of, uh, it's a flow of people talking and people like entering the room and slamming the door and then someone's just like screaming. And although, you know, it's like some people think it's like his most like uh, philosophical book, but uh, it's not one that he wrote down. He had, uh, you know, he mapped it out in uh, little textbooks that you can, uh, that you can actually see, you know, reproductions of. And, uh, and so, so all the big ones like, you know, Crime and Punishment, uh, Karamazov Brothers, uh, The Idiot, um, and The Gambler, of course. So th these ones are uh, not written, they're just uh, spoken. Uh, so the other day I was reading the last book by uh, John Fante, and uh, I loved it. I loved it. I was like, I had never read it. Um, and I was, you know, I was loving it so much. And Later, I read that he actually was blind at the time, and it's his last book, and he, he spoke it to his wife. So there's something about, I guess, uh, spoken books that I really like. Oh, cool. People don't apologize when I stand in loneliness. The minute I open my eyes I can't unsee the phoniness I try to stay up but I can't I fall asleep to fireworks My name under a sickle fent On the marquee of the Echoplex Yeah I forget all about you Oh uh -huh. 
important things to do. I forget all about you. There's more important things to do. There's one thing that I've been thinking about lately, which um, your song um, LA Blues got me thinking about in particular, which is songs that have like a shift in perspective within them. Another example I thought of was Eleanor Rigby, because Eleanor Rigby is like the name of the song and it's it's kind of a, about this character, but the song isn't just about that character. So like the first verse is describing Eleanor Rigby's life. And then you get the chorus, which kind of shifts away from the character and it talks about all the lonely people. So it starts off as a song about this one person and then it becomes a song about everyone in society. And mm -hmm. then it goes back and then it goes back to the narrative again. And kind of within your song, within LA Blues from the new album, kind of you start off talking about the wider society within LA and then the chorus kicks in and then that's the, the perspective changes and it's a song about one particular person. And then there's this kind of back and forth between these two perspectives. And there's probably, there probably is a technical term for this, but I don't know what it is. Maybe um, it's called uh, Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> it's often the case, isn't it? When, you, when you're uh, talking about something that happened to you and then you realize that uh, to talk about it, you could go into some sort of more general way of seeing things because you think that it's, it, it doesn't only happen to you, but then you go back to how you feel and how you're going to react to it. So, you know, you know, I think even in conversation, I don't know, you'd be complaining about friendship and you, you're like, you know, friendships never last or something, you know, or, you know, but really you talk about this friend. And so you then, so you start with a general sort of a statement about friendship. And then you have uh, this, um, this event with a friend who, you know, let you down. And then, so you go into the specific and then you have your own feeling about it. And then a more general conclusion. I think it's very, very human first, I think to try to, to think that you're not the only one who feel one way, you know? So you, if you feel lonely, you talk about all the lonely people, you know? And because you, that's your way to, to feel that you're not crazy, you know, that there's other people feeling the same way. I try and do that, actually. My kind of approach, especially over the last few years, has been that I'll start writing a story and I deliberately won't know what's going to happen next. I'll kind of make it up as I go along rather than plot it out. And that, to me, kind of um, works better because I kind of surprise myself as I go along and then... Mm -hmm it's kind of like um, I get to a point where, oh, this is what the story is about, right? I've realized now. I, I think that's, that, that can be the same with songs as well in terms of like um, the song will start off and it'll be about one thing. And then suddenly the perspective will change and it'll be like, oh, I, okay, the song's about this thing. Yeah, well, you know, I think in that way, the writer, especially for, for good songs or songs that I think are good, the writer is surprised just as, as much as the, uh, the listener, just because, you know, really when you write, you're not that different from the listener, I feel. You know, there's like this 
sentence that's just like keeps like spinning in your head and you're just like you're you're obsessed with a sentence or sometimes you think it's just like words you don't even know uh, why you're you know drawn to this particular uh, line or something but it's, it gets obsessive and then you build around it sometimes you don't even know what you're building and some of my most you know clear meaning uh, in terms of meaning some some of my most clear songs I had no idea what I was writing about when I was writing them. I was just like, oh, this is cool. Or, you know, you're just like you working with melody and you have these words that come to you. And then a week later, you look back and you're like, wow, this is like really exactly what I think about what happened to me then, you know, or, you know, I think songs are great for that reason because the listener feels the same, you know, someone's favorite song, you'd be like, so why is it your favorite song? You know, it's like, uh, this guy would be like, uh, my favorite song is Orphan Boy. And then you're like, so why is it your favorite song? And, and they'd be like, well, you know, it's just the best beat or the best melody, or I love the voice. And then, you know, later you find out that uh, the guy never really knew their parents or, you know, whatever. It's like, you don't even know why you like stuff. And I think writing is kind of the same. I feel like usually, at least for me, but I think when I sense it in other people's songs, I... Uh, I feel the same way when someone sits at a table and it's like, you know, so this is what I'm going to write about. It's not really good. Usually it's kind of, it feels like, you know, sort of forced and uh, like if I was, you know, if I decided to write about the pandemic or it'd be like, it'd be probably a lousy song or, but, but then if I have a, a line that's in my head and I've lived through this experience, it's probably going to come out one way or the other. And uh, I think it's better. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, letting these things happen naturally, I guess, rather than kind of forcing them to happen. Yeah. It's a weird, weird way to sort of trust, trust your, yourself as an artist that you're going to get somewhere instead of panicking that I don't know what this is about or you just trust yourself that your brain or whatever it is then that makes the core of the song like knows what it's doing but uh, you get a bit trustful I guess but you you also feel it when you have something good you know I don't know if it's the same for you when you're writing but uh, whenever I try to write a more long form kind of thing it's very abstract at first, but you feel that it's good, that it's true somehow, that it's connected to the truth and that you're not saying whatever. Like you feel it, even though you're in an abstract sort of setting and there's not like character A going to uh, the house of character B to, to kill character C, you know, um, but you feel that you're saying something good and you don't even know what it is. I think that's the best feeling so much prettier when you smile. Like a $2 bill She said, all right, I'll make you lucky 
And I know she will We pass a halfway house And the Italian store She was tiny as a mouse And pretty as a shore I said I'll keep you in my pocket Like a handkerchief A secret in my heart A true belief Spooky motif There's another thing that I don't know the name for. I, I'm sure there's a name for it, and I haven't figured out what it is. But um, it's where you um, where you have a repeated line in a song, not necessarily in a chorus, but just like a repeated line. And each time that you say the line, the line is slightly different. Like um, I, th- I've, I made a note against your the song uh, Vinegar Hill from the new album, and you say like um, I'll keep you in my pocket like a something something. You know, and um, you're very good at that because I, I, I've, I've, there's other songs of yours that you kind of do that same sort of thing again, and it sounds like you have a lot of fun with that. Technique. Yeah, I, I love that trick. It's a cool trick. It's a kind of, uh, and as a writer, it's really exciting because you're, again, you know, you just have this like, I'll keep you in my pocket. Uh, the first one I had is the first one in the song like a $2 bill, because I always have a $2 bill. Um, they are rare here in the United States. Oh, so, right. <laughs> so that's the first one that I had. And then, you know, you'll just kind of find so, so many. And it's like, it gets exciting. It's almost like a game. And when you listen to it, it's funny to just to, to wait. So it's like, wait for this one, wait for that one. You know, I don't know what that trick is called, but it's, it's, I didn't make it up, that's for sure. And it's um, <laughs> it's a funny one. Down by the beacon Where the walrus sleeps I sounded like a promise And she sure looked like keeps I said I'll keep you in my pocket Like an M&M A fine cut bone Or a stolen gem
Well, the other song that I wanted to uh, ask you about in particular from, from, the, uh, from the new lot is um, people say I could have done great things, which I thought was really interesting. And the first, the first time I heard the song, I couldn't figure out like what point you were making. And then I listened to it again. And I kind of, I, I felt like I understood what it was about, or at least like my interpretation of the song is that like, perhaps you feel like underappreciated, but I'm not sure if you were, if you were saying that because you were angry about it or if you were kind of making a joke out of it, I, I, I couldn't kind of weigh those two things up. Or maybe that's not what the song is about and I'm wrong about both of those things. Yeah, well, my friend, I don't know if you know Jolie Holland, but she's a songwriter that I really like and she's a friend, she lives here in Nelly. Okay. And she, so she'd seen me perform it before uh, I recorded the album and I remember when she saw me performing, I was right. This song is the only one that I wrote uh, before the lockdown. And uh, wow. and she saw me performing. She was like, this is such a sad song. Like to her, it was such a sad sort of statement, the feeling of being a failure kind of. And um, sometimes I feel like that's what it's about, you know, thinking that, you know, people used to, to say that, you could have done great things, you know, and um, and then you end up not doing them. Yeah, so most most of the song is sort of a, maybe not bitter, but a little sad and a little uh, disappointed in the in your own achievements, I would say. But um, and also, as you said, because maybe that's that's maybe harder to admit for me, but a sort of resentment because you always think that you're. You know, maybe a lot of artists think that they deserve more than they have. So it's probably my case too. But also, you know, there's like the the simple fact that it, it's not, um, success is not everything. You know, I think you can find a little bit of this in the song. You know, there's this line where I just want to stay home and hold my cat, you know. And this is not yeah. something that uh, success can bring to you. So, I, yeah, I guess there's a little bit of what you said, the bitterness, a little bit of sadness, and a little bit of just, you know, this is not, this is not important. But then it's, it's really interesting because you kind of, um, you, you address that side of things, but also um, that there's a part of it where you're saying, well, well, actually I have done quite, I've been successful. I've been on, I've been on the radio and the TV and I've performed in front of all these people and, and so, so then when you say people said I could have done great things, that kind of sounds like ironic uh, that you're saying it ironically then. Be yeah. because, because you have done great things, you know. Yeah, but it, to an, I feel like for an artist, it's never enough. It's never enough. And, you know, if you live in the United States, artists are not taken seriously unless they are, you know, like you could say so many times after a show, after playing a show, right after coming on stage, people who like the show would still ask me what I do for a living, you know? And uh, so it's like, if you're not a big yeah. star, it's not a job, it's not serious. So, you know, it's always like uh, culture over here is very present and there's a lot of great artists and people who make great stuff, but they're not taken seriously if they don't make money. And uh, I've toured Europe so so much and have been, like I said on the song, you know, on TV and stuff, talk, uh, or, you know, the radio and I've played big venues. And 
this is this could be an achievement in itself you know but i would still be confronted with the fact that uh it's not enough it's not enough to to feel like an a professional artist in the united states <laughs> I'd, i'd see what you're saying there yeah yeah um but like from my point of view as a fan of yours i all i all i hear when i when i hear your music is great music and when i when i look at the achievements that you've had i see this great body of work you know loads of albums that are great and loads of great songs and it's just like um and that's why kind of when i i was kind of like um i wasn't sure how to take that song because i was kind of like a, a little bit conflicted myself about how to like uh, well you know uh, surely he has done great things you know well thank you well you know it's just saying you know sometimes you you're just a little depressed or whatever you know and you're like what have i done you know it happens to to everyone you know what have i done really and there's so and especially in my field you know there's so you're like you know well i haven't played the royal albert hall or whatever although i played you know for i've had big venues or but you you could be focusing on what you don't have and you can but sometimes you know especially i have i'm lucky to have a uh, to live with a very nice person who always reminds me that you know this was great you played that show like and people loved your music and so sometimes you know so my girlfriend's nice about it she always reminds me that i've done cool things but what matters is the songs and so you know so when i doubt the most is when I, when i when i'm like so where is my great song you know where where when am i going to write the great song that i'm that i always thought i was going to write or you know and you can get it spinning like this you know you know sort of vortex of uh, I didn't write my great song or whatever but uh, I feel like I'm getting there you know like this album I thought and the one before Santa Cruz Gold I think they're the two first ones that I can um, that I can listen back to you know where I'm like this these are cool songs like you know I like the song so it takes a while I guess yeah definitely I mean you know both of those albums are really really strong and um yeah i i agree but uh, you know I, i i i like your older stuff as well so it's it's, uh, it's all good from my point of view thank you meet me in the morning show me your name make me feel like i'm not the same Like I fought with the man with a broken wing and people say I could have done great things people say I could have done great things well I have been on the air and on the TV screen I played like a jester even once for a quin I might have wrote a few songs that my daughter will sing and people say I could have done great things people say I could have done great things fell for the cover of a beautiful book 
Now it sits like a lover with an unread look. I don't want something that's written. I want something you said. I don't owe you a word, man. I've already paid. Just wanna stay home and hold my cat, drinking beers in the sun with a big straw hat, and make way for the sorrow. That tomorrow may bring. People say I could have done great things. People say I could have done great things. People say I could have done great things. I was going to ask you about the um, Yaya Yathan Man comic strips. Yeah, because uh, I really enjoy them, and I'm very impressed that you managed to produce them at daily. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's an example of uh, this takes so much time. If you if you have a comic book writers uh, in your listeners within your listeners, they will know that uh, making a comic strip takes so much time. It's not only the finding a joke or which takes some time but it's just you know the the simple fact that you're to pencil it ink it and uh color it takes a long time and uh but i love these stages though the one stage that i hate and that i have to do every day to, is to scan it and then uh this takes me a long time to make it so but i don't like to do it but i love drawing and i love uh finding little jokes and it um lets me explore you know the sort of diary type of thing that i love to do with the songs but in the most uh you know more maybe uh immediate way it's just like the joke of the day or whatever it's just like one sentence and um and i've always loved comics so to me it's just a, it's a pleasure it takes a long time it's not the most uh, efficient way to work as an artist in a way in a way that uh you know, I, I might spend four hours at a table for a little strip that people read in two seconds, but uh, but I love doing it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you've been doing it for quite a while now, I guess. Have you? How long has it been? It's been a few years. It's been a few years. I started on tour for my album, Black Yaya. That's when I started doing the, the strip, but I didn't have it on internet. I was doing the, some sort of little zines that I was uh, uh, putting together on tour. And then, yeah, a few years ago, I started doing it daily on the internet. And I have a few that, that I have published on paper. They pile up, you know, and you have so many. It's, it's, that's a funny thing. When you do something every day, 
anyone who has a diary knows that like you uh, you don't know what you've written uh, 10 days before you know you have no idea but if you go back through the pages it, you have like cool little thoughts and stuff that pop up and that's the way I feel about this comic strip great yeah and the other thing that I've, I've, in terms of your social media I'm not on Facebook anymore um, but I was for a while I used to enjoy the videos that you posted on there where it's just kind of you at home with a guitar and it's kind of like a little intimate performance are you still doing those yeah I still do it on Instagram Herman Dune oh okay um, I do so I have videos sometimes and I especially now it's been like since the beginning of the lockdown so since last spring I've been having a little uh, sort of transmission of a broadcast on Sunday mornings 10 o'clock uh, oh, here cool. in, in LA and for an hour I play songs I, I've been reading from books and I, I do the horoscope and all kinds of things and uh yeah, that's, you know, because we can't play, we can't play shows anymore. And I have this little thing on Sunday mornings where I'm just like, and there's an audience, you know, people sort of uh, react to, to whatever I'm saying or singing and there's questions and I do raffles and all that. It's like a little show. Uh, it's funny. Oh, great. I'll have to check that out. I didn't, I didn't realize that you were saying that. It's, <laughs> it's uh, on the Herman doing and I still I still post songs you know it's like sometimes you because I always sing like other people's songs and stuff like that and sometimes when it sounds good I'm like I'm going to record it and uh and put it online or whatever. I remember in particular the, those uh, Facebook videos uh, you did a cover of uh, Linger by the Cranberries which I really enjoyed. Yeah I, did. Yeah, I love this song. The other day I was singing uh, Just My Imagination uh, I, was, I love her song. She's really good in her voice. Yeah, it's really nice. But it's it's kind of like um, I think uh, your your version was somehow quite different to the original. So it was um, yeah, it was uh, it's nice to hear like a different kind of spin on it. I think maybe it's just kind of the 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 fact that it's a man singing it. I guess. It's a good song, but uh, you know, the difference with the songs from the 90s and that there are not a lot of people. Uh, well, I think it's a time when people sort of uh, started feeling that it wasn't necessary to have a song, like a real song. It was a lot about the sound of the guitars and all that stuff. And uh, there's a lot of, so not a lot of people cover the 90s because it was sort of a, you, you don't know, like even the ones that you love, like sometimes you take your guitar and it's, it's not really saying anything or, but some people I think, so she had great songs and uh, with lyrics and you know, to me a good song is a song you can sing with your guitar and uh, you don't have to think about who wrote it or you don't have to, to think about the video, I guess. A good song is one that, uh, uh, that works without the video which was in the case always in the 90s. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, she's uh, similar, I feel like. She's almost like similar to Morrissey in a way, you know, and you being from Manchester. I don't know if you oh, agree, yeah. but she writes songs, you know, like Morrissey, sometimes you don't even know if it's a song. There's like three, four lines that repeat, or but they work with the guitar. It's really surprising because his melodies are solid in a... He's always saying something important, you know, even songs like uh, 
we will never marry or, you know, there's like two words, but you can still do it, you know, where I think, you know, because the 90s came after the, the Smith, you know, people took his way of doing, so there's no, not really a structure of a song to stuff and, and they started saying, they started saying whatever, you know, just on, on guitars and, uh, but he, and I feel like she's the same way, like her songs are kind of uh, ethereal in a way, like there's not really, it's hard to find a structure to it, but um, she's a bit like Morrissey. I don't know if she liked the Smith, but uh, that's how I felt. It's fumes and vapes I've been driving downtown with the basement tapes There is nowhere else I'd rather be Except for being here if you'd be with me There's a guy on the corner of Pacific and 8th He spins all day in his roller skates Carries a chihuahua in a pink backpack And it's giving me a heart attack Someone asked me what it is I do And I say, Moby Dick, what is it to you? My job is just to drive around Like an Uber around town Picking words along the way Take them to my piano at the end of the day Hope they line up into a tune Good enough for Herman Dune On the express lane I'm going to calls And so I can't complain I can't exit Cause no one blinks Now I'm starving And my hair is pink I'm looking out For the yellow star I've got no GPS In my car My tooth is rotten Like Harley Quinn You can only lose If you're trying to win a dream of the LBC watching Snoop Dogg on the MTV and now I miss my youth and I miss my tooth but I'm cruising and sipping on gin and juice going over the bridge and evergreen the cherry boats and the sweet 16s just can't count on experience they go for your neck if they're given a chance throw a block and get in line you'll get a piece of me for your peace of mind I hate the sound of the ghetto bird but I'll dig your song if you dig your words terminal island is the place to be if you really 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 want to be like me high on rye and lost at sea coming up the lbc high on rye and lost at sea coming up the lbc high on rye and lost at sea coming up the lbc sea. Thank you for listening. Thanks a million. 
Mr. David Ebar, aka Herman Doom. You will be hearing more from David on my other podcast, I Like the Sound. Yes, he's got involved in that as well, and he's going to be contributing some great stuff to the I Like the Sound podcast. Please do check that out. As I said at the top of the show, please also check out my brand new book, Getting Away With It. All the details are in the show notes. They are also on my website, frankburton.co.uk. I will see you next week for the audiobook version of Getting Away With It. Enjoy yourself.